the entire Bible. From start to finish, it's a story of provision. I'm going to share something exciting with you today. We're going to talk about money. Woohoo! <laughs> Why are we going to talk about money? We're going to talk about money because money is provision. It's another way of being discipled. It's another way of entering into God's grace. Let me, let me explain what I mean. Um, just in the way that Belinda was talking about this provision of God through the figure of the Father, that is what God does for us. And it's what he does for his church. Over the next week or so, you know, various times in the year, talk about money. And do you know what's going to happen? This amazing thing's going to happen. We're going to be able to talk about it really well. As if it's not a weird thing. And not get that weird, you know, feeling around our necks. Oh gosh, Rob's talking about money. We're just going to make it a normal thing, just like God makes the supernatural normal in healing, in ministry, in prophecy. There's a very exciting piece of furniture in the back of the church. It's a little black box. If you didn't notice it, no one would blame you. Because it's solid and straight. Now, over the next Kathy thank you, Kathy. Over the next few weeks, we're working on some signage. We're going to have some signage there, and that will be a place where we can give money. I don't want to talk about that for now. I don't want to talk about amounts of money, and I don't want to talk about finance today. What I do want to talk about is a way that God provides. You know, a friend of mine said to me recently, he said, um, you know, I've been in and out of churches, different churches my whole life, and he says, you know, you can always tell a church that's blessed, a church that has lots of gifts spiritually, that's able to do critical work in the kingdom, because usually that's a church that's generous. Spiritual generosity has a lot of expressions. I'm a bit cold. I'm going to put my jacket on. Bear with me. This is not a demonstration. This is just a picture. <laughs> um... We have the prodigal son. I want to tell you another story. A story in the Bible. In Genesis. It's a story about Joseph. Joseph, long story short, is a favorite son in the story of Israel. He's a favorite son. Just like Isaac, just like Abraham. 
He's a favorite son who deals with a lot of bad stuff in his life. He's sold into slavery by his brothers. He's imprisoned when he's in Egypt. And through all of that, you know what? God blesses him. God blesses him. And what God does is he uses that blessing in Joseph's life to say, actually, this is how I'm going to bless the entire nation of Israel. In spite of the fact that they've been through so much difficulty, then God gives Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. He gives him prophetic gifts. Pharaoh hears about this. And he says, come and tell me, Joseph, tell me this. Tell me this meaning of this dream that I had. You can read about the dream in Genesis 41. I'm going to paraphrase. Basically, Joseph says, look, this is what's going to happen, Pharaoh. You're going to get a number of years of good provision. You're going to get a good harvest. And this country is going to do really well. Following that, you're going to get a number of years of famine and hardship. Pharaoh has some interesting questions. He wants to know from Joseph how he knows this. And Joseph has this to say. He says, I, I can't interpret the dream. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the personal charisma. I don't have the cleverness. I can't do it. But God can. God can. And he will. God will give you the answer. This is what Joseph says to Pharaoh. God will give you the answer. God chooses to work through Joseph in a really normal but supernatural way. And Pharaoh essentially says, who am I going to appoint? Who am I going to appoint over this provision? Because we know already that God is directing Egypt to be strategic. God is wanting Egypt not to fail, but to prosper in spite of difficult times. And he wants to do it in a particular way so that Joseph would be glorified, and because Joseph was glorified, God would be glorified. Isn't it so like God to choose human beings to work through, to bring his plan to fruition? Isn't it so like God to say, I'm going to use normal strategies, normal materials, normal resources that I've already given you, and together we're going to build the kingdom? We do amazing stuff with the stuff that's already here. But first, you have to trust me. This is what God says. First, you've got to trust me. I am the resource. God says, I'm, I'm the provider. 
I'm the resource. Look around you, the things that you have in your life. The plenty. The harvest. Every little thing. God says, I provided that. And I ask nothing in return. It's not a contract. God makes this clear in the work of the cross. Before we could ever save ourselves, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, who dies on the cross and is resurrected. No contract. You didn't have to sign anything. You came here today, you didn't have to sign one piece of paper. Salvation is yours. Done. Done. Salvation is yours through the work of the cross. It's already been accomplished. It's already done. Everything's been covered. Your life, your sins, your joys, your triumphs, it's all done. But God goes further. He says, you know that stuff that I've given you? I want to use that stuff in your life, those resources, that money, whatever it is. I want to use it to transform the world, and I want to use it to transform your life. Now, what does God need? He needs me to take my hands out of my pockets. He needs me to stop saying, Lord, this is mine, don't touch it. This part of my life you can have. You can have the nice good stuff in my life. All my glory, all my praise, all my thanksgiving. Don't touch this stuff. Don't even go there. Don't open that door. It's discipleship. It's like anything in our life that we withhold from God. God is not able to transform that in our lives. It's the same thing with those who suffer from addiction. It's the same thing with, with those who suffer from grief and tragedy and loss. You know, we've been journeying with a few folks who really learn how to give people in their life. People who've been through trauma and tragedy, maybe in their own families, and they're they can do everything else, but they struggle with forgiving people who hurt them. And you know what God wants to do? Beyond that, that thing that you're hiding away, the thing that you don't want me to deal with, all of that. That's what I want. Why do I want that? Because I want you, I want all of you. 365 degrees a year. 360. Right? The whole thing. The whole package. I want all of you. Not just parts. Not just the parts you're willing to let me have. You know, in the West, we have difficult times talking about money. We talk about money. Actually, we're talking about discipleship. We're just talking about the parts of our lives that we need help with when we turn it over to God.
We have been through an amazing season in this past year. Belinda's talked about this. You know, there's been years and years and years of prayer in this place, for this place, for the work that this church family is going to be committed to in years and decades ahead. And this past year, I feel like we have had some tremendous breakthroughs. I really feel the Holy Spirit has taken root here. Now, I can't, I wasn't here a year and more ago. You know, he didn't show up overnight. I'm sure he was here. But you know what I look at? I look at each of your lives and I see what the Holy Spirit is doing in each of your lives. And that's how I know that he's active. And he's doing stuff. He's healing people. He's reconciling people. He's establishing his foothold in this place. But that's just the first step. And I believe now is time for the next step. Paul has this to say in 2 Corinthians 1. He says, As surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a first installment, as a down payment, guaranteeing what is to come. What's coming? More Holy Spirit. He's coming. Guys, we are scratching the surface. That's the exciting part. As a church family, we are scratching the surface. Now, after having made the down payment on that brand new, brand new shiny sports car, what do you do? Thanks very much. I'll see you later. You can have it. Is that what you do? No. You go, ah, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. And this is what the Holy Spirit is after. He's after a full... Full surrender, your whole heart. We already talked about all kinds of stuff. Today's the first day we really talked about money. Money's hard. Money's hard like discipleship. It is that last vestige of control for so many of us. We just don't want God to look in. Now, hey, if someone said to me, you know what? I've prayed about it. I've talked to the Father. We had a chat this week, and he said, I shouldn't give any money to St. Saviors. Say you know what? Amen. Amen. Let's honor that. Maybe there's something he's doing in your life. 
maybe it's something else. I'm going to honor that. But my question is, actually, have we had the conversation with our Father about money? Have we talked to our Father about our resources, what we're doing with them? Because I have found in my life, I don't know about yours, I've found in my life that where I'm spending my money, that is where my heart is. That is what I'm married to. That's what I value. Where I spend my money says a lot about what's going on in here. We have, we have good defense mechanisms as Christians. Jesus knew this. He knew this. He loved, he loved it. He loved it when people would bring out their defenses. And he loved them even as he said, you know, Jesus, this is why, this is why I can follow you three quarters of the way. Here's why I can't come the final quarter sure you understand. And Jesus loves them in them. Because he knows. He's in there. He knows. He knows us. We have these defense mechanisms where we say, I, I need to hold back. I need to rein it in a bit with church or faith or whatever. You know, we may not say that out loud. We may say, you know, I just need to keep my boundaries. I need to keep my boundaries straight. You know, I need to, need to make sure I don't overcommit. I need to make sure I don't burn myself out. I will always respect a conversation about that. You know me and my leaders. I do try and look out for you guys. But rarely, if ever, have I seen someone who's been called by God to do a mission, who hasn't been resourced that person for every step of the mission from beginning to completion. I've never seen it. And the story about the prodigal son, the story about Joseph, the story about Egypt, the story about Israel, the story about Jesus Christ in your life, is the story of him bringing all things to conclusion in full provision, where there is no scarcity. He always equips for the mission of him. But he will leave it to you to undertake investment in him. It is our choice to invest in Him. Now in coming, we just want to talk a little bit, touch a little bit on some of the things that we spend money on as a church. Some of the finance stuff. But I'm not going to go into specifics today. Because ultimately when we talk about money, we're talking about our hearts, first and foremost. And actually, that needs to be handled ever so delicately. 
And if you're visiting here today, for the first or second or third time or whatever, if you're visiting, just know that, just have this conversation on hold in your memory. And we'll revisit it again in six months, if you're new here. But let me give you a word of encouragement. I feel strongly that the Holy Spirit has equipped us to hold all of our money concerns together as a family. And I have watched that this family has taken care of money concerns for other people in this church. Did you know that? That there have been people in desperate need in this church and there have been other people in this church who have freely and anonymously given up their own money to help that person without want of any recognition. Our heart's already there. So we're getting ready. We're getting ready for the next down payments on this life of the Spirit. And we're getting ready to open up all the doors of our house so that from God there will be no secrets. And from God there will be full healing and full restoration. And finally, help me. Come talk to me. Let's have good conversations about money. If you have concerns, come and talk to me. And know that whatever you decide to, to give to whatever church, the vicar never sees that. You guys need to know that. I have no idea, as it should be. I don't know who deals with who gives what. And that's how it should be.